Bible, I encourage you to open it to John chapter 14. We're going to look real quickly at three sections of Scripture. And what I would like for you to do, what I would like to encourage you to do, is to go home and get on uh, the, 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 the Church Center app uh, or to go to the website and get the, one, uh, get the sermon notes uh, for uh, this sermon and read the extended sections of text. We're just going to briefly talk about a, a few of them, a few verses, but in the context, you will see a much richer, a, a much fuller understanding uh, of this topic that we're talking about today. I want to remind you one final time of the reason that we are doing a series called Awkward Silence. It's because we don't like the awkward silence. Anytime where we're quiet, we start to get nervous. And we've become, we've, we've become de de desensitized to silence because the world around us is anything but. And it demands action right now. It demands decisions right now. So we fall into the trap of when we are asked to do something or we're asked to consider something, either knee-jerk, we quickly reject it, or as we get into the habit of saying yes and yes and yes and yes, we quickly say yes. And what we need to do far more often than we do is just to sit in the presence of God, seek his counsel, seek his direction. And as we go through this year and as we talk about uh, different topics, that's what we want you to do. Don't just discredit or don't just uh, assent to something right off the bat, but to sit with it for a little bit. So we've talked about who should be our primary example in all of this, in all aspects of life. Jesus. Touch briefly on somebody like a David or like an Elijah, but we want to zero in on Jesus, what he did, what he taught while he was here, how he set the church up for centuries after centuries of success after he left and sent the helper to empower and to lead us. In the first week, we looked at Sabbath, how God Almighty stopped after six days of creation he stopped and he delighted in his creation. And that Sabbath right there, stop and delight. How Jesus practiced and observed Sabbath. How he would worship his God in his special way on Sabbath. And then last week we looked at this idea of Eremos. How after, right after being baptized, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the Eremos, into the wilderness, into the uh, desolate place, into the lonely place where he was empowered not weakened by 40 days of fasting, but empowered because he spent time, intentional time, with God the Father. And how then he could stand toe-to-toe -to -toe with the devil. And then we see how he shared that and taught that idea of silence and solitude to his disciples. And today we want to wrap that up. I want to wrap it up by looking at something, at another thing that Jesus spent a lot of time talking about. John chapter 14, uh, I encourage you to read, uh, if not all of this chapter, more paragraphs than I'm going to read, but I just want us to look at, uh, at one verse this morning together, John chapter 14 and verse 27. Jesus says, peace I leave with you, right, let's keep track here, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you, I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. 
here two times, okay, if you were to, to flip over a couple verses into uh, J- John chapter 20 and post-resurrection Jesus, uh, in, in the span of just a, a few verses, he repeats peace three times. Peace, peace, peace. And if we understand, if we jump into the context and what is happening, we understand that this peace that he's talking about isn't a casual flash of the peace sign to his 12 apostles as they go through their daily walk. Jesus has just been executed, placed in a tomb, three days of silence, three days later he walks out. And now he is spending time with them. And he reminds them over and over and over, peace, peace, peace. So what is this peace that Jesus gives? In order for us to understand what this peace means, we need to look at both Old Testament and New Testament. In the Old Testament Hebrew, the word most often used, not the only word used, but the word most often used when talking about this type of peace that Jesus is talking about is shalom. If you go to the Greek Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Hebrew Old Testament scriptures, right, uh, and into the New Testament, there is another word that is used for shalom, and it is I-ran-a. Or it looks a whole lot to me like Irene. So what does this idea of peace, of shalom, of irene mean? Well, it is the most common way that Jesus talks about the reconciliation of all things by God through him. The reconciliation of all things by God through Jesus Christ. And when you, we, it, it talks about, it gives us this idea of, of, of uninjured, of safeness, of wholeness, of soundness. And we see it over and over in the New Testament. Jesus talks about it a lot. His first wave of, of spreading the gospel talks about it a lot. If you go over to Colossians chapter 1. And you read there from Paul as he's talking uh, to, to, the, the, to, to Colossae and the, the believers who are there. And we, we read part of this in the first week of the series. But in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 15, we're reminded of this by Paul that he, God, or he, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. As he is before all things, and in all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Jesus initiated, he he finalized this reconciliation through his gift. So shalom, this peace, is this multidimensional, complete well-being, physical, psychological, social, and spiritual. It's this peace that comes from God so that we can have peace with God, with others, 
and within ourselves. Shalom with God. This relationship between us and him that is complete, not because we are complete, but because Jesus, perfect Jesus, complete Jesus, came and did what we could never do. And we can have shalom with God. We can have shalom with others. Uh, uh, in, in the Old Testament, you see this idea of shalom as hostility between warring parties when, they, when, they, when, when a treaty is made and there is no longer war. There is peace. But it's also between individuals and classes. Jeremiah, the prophet, tells us that unless there is an end to oppression and greed and violence in our relationships, there can be no shalom. There can be no peace. And that peace with others can only come through Jesus Christ, leveling the playing field of our sins. And then there's shalom with ourself. It's this internal silence that we talked about last week that's so hard to, for us to tap into and to enjoy. It's this that, but those who trust in God can have this inner security. Psalm, 40, or Psalm 4 verse 8 says we can sleep well at night. If you go over to Isaiah chapter 26, it says that God gives us perfect peace. It's pretty cool when you look at that in the original language. God gives us shalom, shalom. He gives us perfect peace. The result of righteousness before God is peace. Its effect will be this quietness and this confidence forever. But there was a price for this peace. Jesus was the price for the peace. This, this peace that was prophesied in the Old Testament, this, pre, this peace that the angels declared when, when they came to visit him uh, and they led the shepherds to visit him, that he is the prince of shalom. He is the prince of peace. It is this peace that reconciles us all to God. And he did so by taking on himself the curse of our sin that all who are united to him by faith receive this blessing of peace. Isaiah chapter 57 reminds us that the wicked are like the seas tossed to and from. There's no peace for the wicked. But then on the cross, Paul reminds us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 that Jesus was treated as the wicked were to be treated so that we could have peace. He experienced infinite pain so that we could have endless peace. And God is reconciling all things to him. And man, how I wish I could wake up and have that peace be, be complete. But until Jesus returns, that peace will not be complete. But as believers, you can rest in that peace. There was a barrier between us and God. When we place our faith in Jesus Christ, that barrier is removed. Peace with God is restored. Peace with others is available. And peace within is given to us. Philippians chapter 4 is probably my favorite New Testament chapter. In it, Paul writes to this church that he loves and he, he, he encourages them to rejoice in the Lord always. You didn't hear me? I'll say it again. I say rejoice. Let your reasonably, reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, 
But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, what, if there is any excellence, if is there anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. It's possible to have a peace so deep that we can be content in any situation that life may throw at us. It's, it's a piece of Christ that's so closely related to joy that we might say that joy is God's peace and reconciliation lived out in our lives. Jesus brings reconciliation with himself and us, with us and others, and church, I've referred to this before, until we are able to see others in a biblical way, with a, in a peaceful way, we are not going to be able to fill out the Great Commission to the, degree, to the degree that we need to. Because we see somebody who doesn't agree with us, we see them as an adversary rather than seeing them as an image bearer of God. Instead of seeing somebody that disagrees with us, we need to be able to see somebody who Jesus died for. And that idea that we can, that regardless of what happens when I have an encounter with somebody who may believe differently than I, that I can have this peace. The cool thing is that between believers, this peace, it can, it can be real. If Josh Clore and I were not believers, uh, we could have this peace, but it's really just coming to an agreement. One of us is going to be seething still inside. One of us is going to be holding this grudge. and We may play nice, but underneath there's this, there's this, there's this tension. But because of Christ... And when we realize what he has done for us, Josh and I can be at peace with each other because we realize that, that, that there is nothing within us that isn't covered by the blood of Christ and that he, is, he has died to bring peace. Without peace, the peace of Christ in us, we cannot fully, honestly, passionately take the message of Christ to a world that needs it. Sabbath, Silence, solitude, shalom. The first three, if you think about it, are really practices. All gifts from God, but they're, they're practices, things that we need to incorporate into our lives so that we can focus uh, and delight in all that God has done for us. Shalom, while also a gift from God, is really a result of the first three. Yes, our, our, that peace comes to us when we are initially justified by him, but the more that we step into Sabbath, the more that we seek out silence, the more that we take comfort in solitude in this relationship and this encounter just with God, the more we're able to appreciate and experience and nurture, nurture shalom, peace that comes only from God. We really have only two options, church. We have this peace that comes from God, or we have this peace that the world tries to offer us. One is a peace that never changes. The other is a whole lot like the flavor of the month jam club that changes all the time. One 
you can take to the bank any day. The other, it depends on who you're around and what, what, your, what society says. The peace that comes from God is a whole lot like the salvation, the inheritance that we read about in 1 Peter chapter 1. We think about an earthly inheritance, and, and we're, we're, the, the, more, the bigger our family, the smaller percentage of an inheritance we get. I don't get all of, all of what my parents will pass on to me because I have to divide it up between all of my siblings so my inheritance on earth is diminished. Our heavenly inheritance is not like that. We don't have to be fearful of adding somebody else to the family of God because our inheritance will get lessened. It doesn't operate that way in God's kingdom. The same thing with his peace. There is enough peace for all who put their faith in Christ. It's this type of godly peace, not worldly peace, godly peace that allows us to hold tightly on to a dying loved one's hand and be able to smile, look into their eyes and smile. Because we know they're about to experience the most amazing thing in their life. It's this, this type of peace that allows us to stand for what's right, even when culture is barking something else in our ear. It's this peace that allows us to stand for biblical ideals and truths, even when others uh, uh, in your family may not. It, it allows you to smile as your body hurts and heals and hurts and heals. Because you know that one day perfect healing is coming and it's not going anywhere. It's this peace that allows you to rest in who you are. Because above anything else, you're an image bearer of God, made in his image. You're not primarily a father or, or a daughter or a pastor or, or, or a business owner. You are, above anything else, an image bearer and a child of God. It's a peace that allows you to, 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 to bear your struggles to a brother because you know that you both share this same peace and this same faith. It's this peace that allows you to smile even through the hurt and the disappointment and the frustration because you know the one who holds you up. It's this, this peace that leads to a desire to lead, to always constantly live a more biblical, biblical life because we see God's commands as blessings in the sphere in which we can, we can enjoy him the most. It's this peace that allows us to stay encouraged even as you're stumbling through a dark, confusing valley because you know who holds the future in his hands. I love the words from the mouth of Jesus himself in John chapter 16 and verse 33. He says, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will find tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. In Christ. In Christ alone will you find this peace that allows you to be who you were designed to be, who you were redeemed to be by the blood of your Savior. Would you pray with me, please?